0: Hello and welcome everyone to DM Season 2 Episode 1 where nothing's changed. We are still the same old people doing a talk show about TTRPGs where we dive way too deep and analyze way too much about your favorite TTRPG topics. I am Emil, your host for today. I have been playing TTRPGs for nine years and yeah, I've been enjoying it ever since, have made it my whole personality since and that's all I am. I'm just TTRPGs personified. <laughs> so there are probably people that are more personifications of TTRPG than me, but it's still my favorite hobby after all these years. And now I've been doing a TTRPG podcast about it for two years, where I and my co host, who will introduce themselves in a second, have been overanalyzing TTRPGs for the whole time.
1: Yeah. And with that, hi, I'm Niels, the co host of this show. And been a TTRPG player for seven to eight years, somewhere along those lines. The start is a bit lost in the void, you could say. (laughs) Enjoyed it ever since. Just started right as a a game master because out of necessity, basically. Mm -hmm. And since then, the amount of uh, time I get to play as a player has increased drastically, uh, especially in the last couple of years, Mm -hmm. once we started this podcast. Yeah, it was an amazing journey. It (laughs) still is. And yeah, with that... Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Welcome to WDM. If this is your first
0: episode listening, perfect, because this is basically double dm in one episode you could say we really wanted this episode to be to feel like the double dm episode the perfect one where you can start to get a feel for our show we have 100 episodes in a backlog that you can listen to later but this episode is where you want to be if this is your first time and if it's not your first time and you've been here with us for some time since episode one or episode 20 and ep- or episode 50 or wherever welcome back friend i am so happy to have have kept you for a month of no uploads except for one our yeah. wizards ogl update and if you've been wondering why i haven't made a second update about it well i didn't have to apparently wizards surrendered question mark it's a topic for a different day it's a topic for a different time you can say we won wizards gave up and gave us the ogl as we wanted to also the creative common license and this is a huge win and oh, therefore yeah. i didn't have to finally make a second recording because i was writing this for one already and i'm very happy that i didn't have to
1: break our upload schedule yeah. twice yeah i'm very glad that it turned out the way it did yeah for now the, the way there was a bit rocky but we got there yeah
0: and once again the thing is that uh, most of what in, what is said in the update still stands in my opinion my trust wizards of the coast has been first of all burned been or been burned i don't think that there's really a place where i am gonna buy their newest books for in the near future at least Hmm. i think that they haven't done enough just repairing the status quo and giving us a little bit more of security on it is not worth of an apology for what happened for the three weeks that we were basically in a void of what is going to happen next to this hobby. And especially to its creator space. But okay, yeah. I don't want to talk about that too much. I, I hate that topic. <laughs> it's like fudging dice. It's a disgusting topic for me. I never want to talk about it, but at some point I will have to. So, Niels we were on break. We yeah, didn't we upload a single episode in January of 2020. Three. What did happen in that break to you? What was one amazing thing, be it TTRPG-wise or otherwise, that happened to you that you want to tell the people out there?
1: Well, uh, with one group or with my main group, you could say we now have a more or less adamant plan on when to play. We get to play once a week. We get uh, we we are running three campaigns, all run by different people. <laughs> And always in a two um, session situation, where we play two sessions of one campaign, then switch to the uh, to another for the uh, next two, and so on and so forth. And this is now uh, every Tuesday, so and it's I a really
0: circling DM cycle. Exactly. Right. Okay, that's great, because I think it's really good as for the next few episodes of WDM is going to feature one of these is going to feature a topic that is perfect, that actually exactly is good with this experience that you're having, because... Every GM can take their time and really focus on their game
1: because there are four weeks where they don't have to run the game, right? Exactly. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. You don't have to stress your preparation. You can let basically the influence of the outside world guide you through your preparation. Mm-hmm. You can, if you have something more um, complex to do, you can. Take your time. Yeah. And with us nice. all being close friends and kind of prepared always for the next session, at least a bit with an, uh, a bit of improvisation, when someone says, okay, the next thing that you're going to do takes a bit more time, I can only do a GM one game instead of two the cycle, then we just do that. Easily, right? Yeah. If, if and the communication is right, everything works. Exactly. And with that, uh, in that regard, we got an, a new addition to our group that now is part of every campaign that we run. Mm-hmm. Because uh, over the New Year's Eve, we had another player join us because uh, they were in Berlin for uh, for the New Year's Eve celebration. And he got instantly addicted to this hobby. Mm-hmm. And now he's a steadfast part of our group. <laughs> and it's amazing. It's always fun when you see new players coming into the hobby and you're like, yes! Become my fellow dice goblin. Yes. No. Okay, that's great. Yeah, but that's about it for my January. Some minor things regarding university, mm-hmm. a bit of exam yeah. panic that's about to ha- go even more intense. Oh yeah,
0: February is going to look great. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> I'm so happy that we pre-recorded so many episodes. That means that I can have the time to... some. Uh, some one week just cancel so we can both get our preparations for exams in that's yeah. great as for me i one thing that really stuck with me this january is the official finalization of the first episode of titan's calls editing as that is basically finished same for episode 2 and 3 at the point of recording this episode, and Hell episode yeah. four is gonna be finished before this episode airs as well. Amazing! So we already have four episodes of a twenty-six episode long journey. I and for people that have been pa- fans of the show for a long time, they might be really looking forward to it. To this ap- actual play that we're doing. To new fans, if you are here don't know what Titans Call is, there's gonna be a trailer out at some point. Again, they, we already have one, but there's gonna be a trailer too. And basically it's an actual play in a mysterious world of titans, of cultists, of dubious magic and strange powers where three unfortunate uh, heroes without magic, without any capabilities besides being humans, have to somehow survive and find their way through the world. What an amazing journey it was. What an amazing journey it was. We have recorded everything in that season already and we are working on our second actual play yeah we are it's gonna come out after titan's call and it's gonna be just as amazing just as cool and just as epic probably more epic even yeah i don't maybe maybe no, we'll no, see it, about that. It. It's <laughs> epic. It's very epic.
1: Yeah. A bit nervous about that. That's something that I get to GM. Because this um, this will be the first time that I GM for, an, for a show. But I'm sure with the amazing cast that I have, everything will go well. And everything will be as amazing as Titan's Call was. Or at least, or not not just was, but will be. As for things that I hate, is that someone has thought about starting
0: construction work outside my window right now. Hmm. I don't think it's actually that hurt on the microphone. It's gonna be hurt. That's the problem. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, disgusting. (laughs) I'm very sorry, everyone, but I can't do anything about this. And we have to record today. So... We will just have to deal with it.
1: Yeah, it but, will be okay.
0: Um, yeah, um, Niels, just for this recap, walk me through every campaign you're GMing right now. Give me a quick primer on every single
1: campaign you're GMing. So basically I'm focusing on two slash now the third campaign in the actual play, but I won't talk about that for now. Uh, the other two are just the ones that I've been jamming all along, the ones where they have to... Basically, in the long run, fight a board collective of fate gods at the end. There have been now some revealments, some revelations. They now found information about the four fate gods that exists in my world, and they're regarding champions. So now we are moving on to basically the next four arcs, and the other one is called Draco Somnium or Dracosomnium, because this group was united by a dream about the oncoming destruction of the world through the uh, far-long sealed dragon emperors, Mm -hmm. or dragon overlords. And they are currently residing in the Underdark, in a drow city, where one of my players is from, because they got a note or a letter that... One of the family members of one of the party uh, was seen last down there being chased by someone or something. I'm also not going to focus on my actual place
0: that are either in production or in editing or at whatever stage. Also only going to focus on the campaigns that I really will be talking about in future recaps if you decide to listen to this further and just give people a little bit of an update. Because some people might like that. I run three games. Uh, one of them is a Tyranny of Dragons game. I'm currently running a group through the Horde of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat modules. We've just uh, arrived at the Tomb of the Darius and uh, my players are now... Taking on delving deeper into the tomb of a snake mage. I don't think how, I don't know how long that is gonna go, but the group is gonna persist. We play every second Tuesday, and maybe my players uh, have just uh, decided to strike a bargain with Diderius. Second campaign I'm running is Phantoms of Chaos, which is currently on break because one of our players has to take the bar exam and oh, he's yeah. not going to be available for the next three months of play. And we said, okay, cool. We, re- we support you. We don't, We won't be playing the campaign further. We will just be doing one shots in the time. But generally, Phantoms of Chaos is a game of... In a my homebrew world, uh, where chaos is basically a force of nature, mm-hmm. that came to be because Min is the name of the world and Min is basically just primordial for playground. And the gods, the fae, the demons, the devils, the, the legendary beasts and stuff like that, all these powerful entities that come from distant realms, basically created one realm together where they can just let their creations run wild. At some point, they realized these creations are actually worth to leave alone. To not just meddle with their affairs, and then they basically all retreated into their separate realms again and let Min just be Min. The problem is that all their energy and all their magic mixed together to form chaos, an energy that is all magic at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that is creating problems for people.
1: Oh yeah, I can imagine
0: that. And my players have to deal with that. And they just recently got one of the very random hints in one of my games. And the third game I'm running is not a D&D game, but a Cyberpunk Red campaign, which is called Paint It Red. It's my first Cyberpunk campaign, and it's a very irregular game, but we are currently, after session one has been played, and my players, Niels included, uh, were on a train to find some kind of briefcase that is being delivered to Arasaka. at least that's what my players think <laughs> we have no more time for this recap so let's dive into episode 101 of double dm of season 2 first episode or whatever you want to call it right after our mid-roll hey listener how are you enjoying the show so far Tell us about it in whatever way you see fit. Go to our social media pages and add us or DM us about your favorite episode of the show. We would love to hear from you on what impact our show might have had on your home games. Or you could review us on your podcast app of choice and leave us a nice message with a 5-star review. And if you want to go above and beyond, bring a friend into the fold. Tell them about our show and refer us to them so they can get a piece of the pie as well. Thank you for listening to D M and joining us on this incredible journey. And welcome back, people. Now we're here on episode 101 and Nils, we had a break. And mm-hmm. people need some time to get accustomed to us again, right? Have us on have us on their feet again. And I thought we should start with something that is maybe basically the essence of Double DM, which is learning by doing, learning by, by progress, right? Learning by just going the path you're on and taking in every lesson you can on that way. So we wanted to talk about the GM's journey is what we called it basically in our preparations mm. um so for the, the first thing we need to talk about for that is <laughs> as dumb as it sounds how did you get started with ttrpgs
1: well it it has been quite a while ago it, it was i think eight or s- uh, nine years ago somewhere along those lines mm-hmm. right in the middle of high school and i watched a stream or the video of a stream of a german online tv show where they played some ttrpgs And I was always interested in that topic as a whole, but then I thought, why not, why the fuck not just try it, try it myself to see why everyone who's, who has watched this, likes this so much, including myself and uh, trying to experience the things that everyone likes, because this was something other than a TV show just. Because I just saw four people or five people sitting around a table and having fun doing something hard to explain. If you once experienced it yourself, (laughs) as you already know when you listen to this podcast. I mean... Yeah, 100 episodes have already been recorded, right? It's hard to explain what TTRPGs are. mm -hmm. But they are magical. And that's all that counts. Exactly. And... Then I found some sort of document online that outlined the story that took place in this in this TTRPG actual play, and the uh, there was no official rule set yet for this mm-hmm. um, system, so it was all in this one word document that I found online by a, fan, a fan-made fan document that outlined the story, some decisions that they made. And then I just grabbed a couple of friends and asked them if they wanted to try this thing with me. They already, uh, also watched this show and was uh, were interested in it as well. So we all just sat down and started. But we needed someone to guide us through the story. And that job was mine from the beginning. Hmm. So I just jumped in n- without knowing what the fuck I was doing and r- how everything works. I just know mm. I needed some weirdly shaped dice <laughs> that I haven't used before. And I know roughly where the story led during this um, actual play. And I have never played TTRPGs before, but I, we just got right into it. It wa- And it was fucking chaotic, let me tell you that. <laughs> it was no none of us had a clue how to do the stuff Mm -hmm. and none of us knew how and when to roll dice we just based it all off the actual play tv show that was taking place we saw when they rolled dice and then tried to figure out ourselves when something needed a dice roll or didn't need a dice roll and there was no own story devices that i used because i don't didn't know how to craft them yet that's all something mm-hmm. I learned later, way later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, th- this sparked my journey as a GM and a, my journey into TTRPGs itself. Mm-hmm. Just pure interest about the topic, mm-hmm. and then just trying it out without knowing anything. Okay, interesting. So you especially
0: right, you started as the GM. You've never been a player before, right? And exactly. Also, I just find it very interesting because actual players themselves are a pretty new medium. Mm-hmm right? TTRPGs are a new medium. They've only been existing since D&D first edition, roughly 50 years at this point. Not quite, but roughly 50 years. Actual plays could have only existed less than that. And they can only exist because the internet makes it accessible to actually broadcast your play of a TTRPG to other people. So actual plays kind of appeared roughly around 2010... 2011 probably hmm. maybe a little bit before that right the big boom obviously was critical role when they started yeah But there were things before that, right? Critical Role only started because they knew that the concept of itself existed and kind of worked. But Critical Role made it big. And I think with that, there is a whole new generation of TTRPG players that started exactly like you. Never had a GM friend or a friend that played these games before give them the game and explain how it worked. They had to figure it out all on their own. And the actual play might have helped with that or might have just, they might have just understood, okay, well... I need to sit around a table with friends, tell a story or have or experience a story and roll some dice at some points. Mm. And we all know TTRPGs are so much more than that. That's kind of cutting it very short for TTRPGs, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's generally the base essence people see at face value. Mm. What this is sitting around a table, experiencing a story, rolling dice.
1: Yeah, and everything else comes later or comes when you actually play the game itself yeah i think it th- this is something that uh, the the things that make ttrp more ttrpgs more than just rolling dice and telling a story is something that you experience the best when you actually experience playing TTRPGs. yes yeah. yeah for sure
0: it's, it's just so interesting to me to see right these these new generations that have come in because i've i didn't come in through actual plays i came in right around the time critical role started so Mm -hmm. actual plays weren't that big and i came in through a friend who said on a school trip hey let's play a game we on the train to the location we wanted to go we rolled characters and then every night of that week-long school trip we played four five six hours of these of 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 the dark eye abridged version really Mm -hmm. there wasn't really any rule books but the friend knew how the game works. He knew to roll when to roll dice. He knew how to tell a TTRPG story, at least in some form, and we played. And that's how I got into TTRPGs, right? I had I had the more directed approach. I had someone tell me how it kinda works. And they obviously instantly imbued in me knowledge that they had accumulated in their game. So, right, I instantly learned the you can do whatever the fuck you want. You can go left, right, or center. You have to roll these dice when this and this thing happens, stuff like that. So I learned the basics really quick because I had someone tell me them. And there's a big difference to actual plays because while you have these people playing the game as authentically as possible for them, they don't necessarily tell you, I have to roll this d20 when my GM says, make a perception check. Exactly, Because that single sentence requires a lot of knowledge to even be processable for someone. You need to know what a perception check is. You need, to know what, you need to know what a d20 is. I know these things seem super basic to people, but that's because you've played a game before. If you listen to this without having played a game, make a perception check might sound very huh? How, how, how do I roll? Yeah. What what do I look at, right? Everyone knows this if they've ever had a person a new person play with them. Make a perception check. Uh, what do I have to roll? Where do I have to look for that? What stats do I have? And you're like, where this, this you can blindly explain it to them because you've done it so many different times and yeah I mean we all know that but that's so fun about uh, TTIPG actual plays for me because they give access to this medium to a whole new different audience Mm -hmm. that has never played and obviously the approach they take is the first time this approach of how to get people into playing these games is a different one. Before that, they either had to own a copy or had a friend who owns a copy explain it to them. But you all always had the game with you. And I think with actual plays for the first time ever, people have been trying to play the game without the actual rules.
1: Yeah, and for that or in that regard, I was really lucky with the actual play that got me into TTRPGs because the GM has played a couple of other ttrpgs before and then Mm -hmm. created his own version his own rule set for this show and therefore uh, and had players that hadn't played ttrpgs that a whole lot maybe one or two sessions beforehand so they didn't Mm -hmm. know how to do stuff either so they always explained everything step by step the gm said roll me for example roll me a perception check and then explained how to do that with what, what dice and on what values and attributes you have to roll and to and what you have to roll to get the check right mm. for your character mm. that was that was really really helpful not to not to figure out uh, this out all by myself yeah but everything else on when to call for in a perception check and when to say whatever other check or roll you have to do mm. this all came through just experiencing the medium itself by playing yeah. TTRPGs.
0: but I think holding that actual play in our grasp right i want I want to put that on the shelf for right now. But I really want to come back to this because I think actual plays are a very big part of the discussion we need to have around TTRPGs from now on, basically, because they are the ones that are probably evolving this medium the furthest now. But you've already told about how you got as a G- how you started as a GM. I haven't because I started as a player. You started as a GM right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So my gming came i think one and a half roughly two two and a one and a half and two to two years one and a half to two years after i've started after i started playing my parents and my uh, aunt and uncle have played ttbgs before i was even a question before i was Mm -hmm. even in the picture um when they were i think like 20 21 then they stopped playing obviously they all got jobs they all had to do different things they didn't have the time to meet up as much anymore the different packagings and Game stuff were hidden in a cupboard in the room. What at some point would become my childhood bedroom. And at some Mm -hmm. point I found those things. I didn't even know that the cupboard existed before. But at some point I found it out. I got, I pulled some stuff from it. There were board games in there as well. And then I pulled out the first edition, one of the first edition boxes of the TTRPG. I am playing with a different group right now. All right. I went to my father. Why do you have this? he said oh yeah we played that for several years as teenagers and i was like what (laughs) you know that i'm playing this every every third sunday of the month or something with my group right and he says oh yeah right and i go like why didn't you tell me and i just forgot how were you able to forget this yeah. and right he then explained that he played with with my mother with her brother and his girlfriend at the time and my father was a gm for that and i said why don't i gm a game for them the new generation teaches the old generation how it's done now nowadays we got together we we got a big good group together and had fun oh well it was supposed to be fun <laughs> 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 now don't get me wrong everyone had fun it was a fun gathering of family and friends but obviously from a ttrpg standpoint eh wasn't really that big of a success you could say mm. i'm gonna be honest I, the adventure i used uh, i used the pre-written adventure is shit but it wasn't as shit as i made it as a gm as well <laughs> I, <laughs> I really didn't do a good job of it from today's perspective from a few years ago's perspective but at that time that was the best i could do mm. but it was shit And I want to talk today about why, how did I find out how it was shit and, right, understanding what mistakes we do in the beginning, how we learn. And that's kind of where I want to go with this episode. Yeah. So, yeah, I had this book. This adventure basically said, okay, you're a, your players at a tournament, they take part in the tournament at attractions, and then the princess gets kidnapped. The adventure wanted the PCs to investigate, chase after them into the woods, discover a castle that no one knows, go into the castle, where the castle then disappears into time and space. Okay. So yeah. I can talk about how what is wrong with this module, because I don't like the tournament start, because it's completely irrelevant to the game. Mm. It's just a hook why everyone's there, but you can make up any other hook, really. The kidnapping is kind of done as a deus ex machina. It just happens. There's really no engagement there, so it's just a quest to get the players into the woods, and the woods are fine. Normal woodland encounters, right? A pack of wolves, chasing the tracks, um, having some skill challenges, basically. That's fine. Hmm. And then the end is kind of boring again. You have this castle that disappears into time and space, right? This castle only appears on a full moon night or something, blah 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 blah. It's boring. Yeah, It's not a good adventure, but that's not what I want to talk about right it's what I what I did with it because okay I did the tournament start that was all good and done my players had the time to showcase their characters and get accustomed to the role so in this instance it was a good adventure because these people have never played with the new edition of the system they wanted Mm -hmm. to learn how to roll dice again that was good for them then it came to the kidnapping the princess was kidnapped and my players were the ones that took up the task to find her yeah and then they said can we get access to the princess quarters to investigate how she was kidnapped in my defense the book read they don't want the heroes to go in the princess quarters on the next page it read but they will let them in but i didn't read the next page
1: yeah okay
0: yeah so cue an hour of basically my in-game the butlers the the guards and my players arguing that they are not allowed in the princess quarters at some point they got in and what did they find not much yeah. Not because I didn't want to, but because the adventure didn't give me anything. Because the adventure said it's completely irrelevant what's in the princess quarters. And I was like, nowadays, I'm furious that then then the princess quarters is even a question. Why did the princess get kidnapped if there is no clues at all, right? Mm. It's not about, uh, I, I, I'm just so furious about this adventure. But I'm yeah. also furious about how I handled that. Because obviously there should have been clues. And obviously I shouldn't have blocked them from going into the princess quarters
1: yeah, when you start off as a GM, you don't know what is important or what makes a good story yeah. necessarily. That's something that you have to learn first. And this is some experience that helps you learn exactly these things. Mm-hmm. I bet after this GMing experience that you had, whenever something story relevant happens, like the kidnapping of this princess, mm-hmm. you will never deny access to those quarters to your players ever again for a very specific reason Mm -hmm. except the the reasoning or there is a reason to not let them in
0: yeah i mean it's fine to to really say right this is the princess quarters we don't want the dirty adventurers in the princess quarters but obviously if you want to get her back they should at least check out the scene of the crime exactly right it it, it's this i made mistakes and it, it, it was a huge mistake and my first GMing, this, this one shot, and also other one shots after that, in the campaign after that, the first GMings were riddled with mistakes. Hmm. Obvious bad mistakes. And I cannot deny them. They were mistakes. They weren't just things I at the time thought were good. They were just mistakes.
1: Yeah, but those, it isn't a bad thing that these happened because they shape the way you GM now, I think. At oh, least yeah. for me, they do. Yeah, The first sessions I ran, I mean, we all didn't know what to do, but just starting right off the bat, never played this sort of game before, mm-hmm. and then starting as a GM, you don't know shit. And no, you, you will make mistakes a lot and big ones, but they aren't necessarily a bad thing. They, are, mm-hmm. they may be a bad thing for this situation, but no, none of us really cared because we all made mistakes in the same yeah. categories we all were fucking bad at the game you could say it like that because we didn't know what we were doing mm-hmm. but we made those mistakes and talked about them and said hey this didn't feel right this was not done the way we wanted to be or mm-hmm. a- all of the other things we talked about them and then changed change it to a way that we enjoyed it mm-hmm. and this is a way or a good way to learn from your mistakes talking about them and then changing the thing that was considered a mistake by everyone Mm. at least that's what we did
0: yeah it's this you're at the beginning of jamming you're gonna have to make mistakes yeah. Right, there are resources out there. There are a lot of resources actually already about how to be a good GM, what not to do. They don't matter at all because you don't know why it's bad. Sure, they can tell you this is bad because it negates player agency, because it's irrelevant to the story, it clashes with your with your in-game world or whatever. But you don't know what that means. Exactly. It's the same when, for example, you watch video essays on video games or movies. And someone says, This instance is bad from a director's perspective because this and this. And you're like, as a normal consumer, are like, mm hmm, okay, sure. I just have to believe you because I have no idea. Mm-hmm. You just have to make those mistakes. Obviously, you shouldn't force them to do because, right, if you can avoid them, avoid them. But you're going to run into most mistakes that are common for GMs. Mm-hmm. There's a point where you will limit player agency just because you don't know that that actually limits player agency i still run into those mistakes obviously this now i have the tools to kind of look at this and say wait what i just said limits player agency i can say wait wait we take that back Mm -hmm. now this is what they actually say or something you can do that and You have to, as a GM, one of the first big lessons I had to learn is it's not my story. It's our story. Exactly. Sure, I tell a part in it, but it's not me telling a story to my players. It's my players and me experiencing a shared told story. Mm. That's the first big lesson I had to learn because I thought that I just explained to my players what is happening and they react the way I want them to. And we all know that that doesn't work at all. Exactly. Uh, So question for you. What was the first lesson you had to learn, or that you really learned in GMing, and what did you learn from that?
1: Well, the first big thing that I learned is that player agency is a huge thing in TTRPGs, Mm -hmm. and that you need your uh, that you need player agency for a good TTRPG session. I learned that quite early on Mm -hmm. because we all had a or I had this pre-written story Mm -hmm. from this actual play that we played again, and then. I was kind of stumped when my players didn't choose the path that was shown in the actual play. Because I did not know what to do. I had nothing prepared for that because it wasn't part of the actual play. So I didn't have any resources for that. I didn't write the world myself. I didn't know how the system worked. So I couldn't really help them or help my players in that regard. Mm -hmm. And then had to improvise something without having the tools yet to... Uh, for improvising stuff but this is something that i really learned through that and through a discussion after that that yeah we play we are playing a story but we are like you said not playing my story Mm -hmm. we are playing a collaborative story we work together to tell a story as a group and your choices should matter otherwise i could have just written a book Mm -hmm. and yeah basically in session two i learned you need player agency and Mm. Then try to figure out a way to give my players those, uh, these ag- uh, this agency. There's a
0: reason why a lot of people don't like the word
1: storytelling for TTRPGs.
0: Mm. Sure, you're experiencing a story. When you look back at it, it's a story. But if you talk about it in a future sense, we are we are going to tell a story. It sounds pre-written. It sounds predetermined. Mm. And that's what TTRPGs are not. They are not predetermined. There should always be chance and players involved and you need to be open to let things happen when you look backwards it's a story but you cannot look forward and say it's a story i'm gonna still say it is a story because we are experiencing it but Mm -hmm. a lot of other people might disagree with the word story for this and that's okay but that's why ttrpgs are not necessarily a storytelling medium because you cannot tell the story you want to tell Mm. you are telling a story but you don't know what that story is gonna be until you get to the point where the story has been made exactly
1: only if you look back you see the story yeah it's less of a storytelling device it's more of a story crafting opportunity it's a story experiencing device
0: i want this word experience is so important to Mm. the essence of ttrpgs because it's about experience and that's why for example a second lesson that i had to learn is experience is important Mm. it's not necessarily the second lesson i learned but it's the second lesson i want people to learn with this podcast it's i think the one of the biggest lessons i want to tell people experience is important everything that doesn't happen in the view of the players cannot be as relevant as what happens in the view of the players sure your villain might be outside of the table basically and and making their plans but these plans are irrelevant until they hit the table with the Mm. players why because it doesn't matter until it hits the table because what the table is experiencing, that is the story that is being told in the past. Right? Exactly. If we look to the past of a TTRPG, only what is at the table has mattered. You do not have a second view. Sure, you might have that in a book, in a video game, in, in a movie. Even in an actual play of a TTRPG, you could include a, a second story for the villain, putting the villain in, in the focus as well. But for the TTRPG itself, only one thing matters, and that is the current moment of, at the table. Mm-hmm. Everything that is not at the current moment at the table cannot be as important as what is happening at the table. Sure, if you're at the table and you're just in a tavern talking to the tavern keeper that is going to be forgotten in two sessions, that might not seem as important. But in that moment, it is the only thing that matters to the table. Oh yeah. And it has to be the only thing that matters to the table. Sure, the players can be motivated and driven by things that have happened outside of the table. But if you if your villain burns down an entire village, it's not going to be motivating to your player to catch this villain until they know of the burning village. Exactly. And I think that's really what this lesson is. You need to show your players the things. It's show, don't tell. Hmm. And the showing is even more crucial than it is in movies or video games or wherever else in storytelling because everything that is not shown or is not at the table is not in the matter it is not relevant and you need to get that down and it's something i really had to realize because i had this big story where where villain was pulling all the strings in the background but my players never got to him because i made it so obscure that my players never found out Hmm. I had this big villain, and I was like, why aren't they getting it? Why why aren't they going after this villain? They didn't get the thing. It wasn't in front of their eyes. And when it's not in front of their eyes at the table, they will not care for it. Exactly. Not just because they don't want to care for it, because they can't. And that is something you really have to realize. TTRPGs are so much more about not Deus Ex Machina and everything, right? Hmm. If, if you bring in something that was unable to have been caught before. Your plot twists need to be, as dumb as it sounds, predictable. Mm, They need to be at least perceivable in some way. Perceivable is even better. Yes, that's a better word. You need to have clues sprinkled out to make your plot twists actually work. Because if you just do a plot twist, first of all, it might have been that you've just decided that in the moment, now the king is evil because I want him to be. That's bad. Because your players are going to feel blindsided by it. They had no chance of knowing it because you had no chance of knowing it beforehand either. And if there were signs that the king is slowly turning evil or being corrupted, then it becomes a matter of the table. The table mm. might not have gotten the clues, but they understood the clues. They might have not connected it, but they knew that something was happening. And now the uh, now the curtain has been lifted. Now they know what's happening. Now they are invested in that. But that only happens if something has happened before. If it all happens
1: off side of the table, they're not going to notice it or care for it. Hmm. This is something that I had to learn the hard way as well, that you as a GM have all the answers to what's happening behind the scenes, but your players don't. You as a GM know what your villain does. You as your GM know what how the world moves Mm. beyond the visual radius of the player characters. But your players don't. They have a certain visual radius, which is your description of the world, and they can't look past that because there is no other way for them to perceive the world other than your telling or your description of the Mm. world around them Mm. and the actions the NPCs take around them. Yeah, yeah. And this took me a while to get. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it was for you, for or with being took two too easily yeah especially with puzzles
0: right oh, i think puzzle, puzzles yeah. are, the, are the easiest instance of seeing that that you, you have all the answers and your players don't because for a puzzle you have the answer most of the time some people write to puzzles where they don't have an answer and just take whatever answers the players give them that they find fun i hate that but okay you have the answer to your puzzle and when your players are looking at what you describe to them your description needs to be picture perfect
1: mm-hmm.
0: and if it's picture perfect your players should be able to get it. But if you even make one mistake, if you omit one thing, it's over. Because that's then a crucial detail that is missing, and therefore all the plans your players make are kind of off-base, It never Mm. works. I love puzzles. I really do. But they are such a hard thing to actually do. And I really want people to do less of them. Mm. We had a puzzle episode where we talked about this before. I I love puzzles, but they can be so bad in games. And I've made so many bad puzzles. So many bad puzzles. And I really had to learn why they were bad. Because the puzzle itself was great. Mm. in my opinion when i looked at it from my perspective i had the answer i had the way to get to the answer but now take everything of that away and just give the basic description to your players and they are like
1: hmm, how yeah i had this experience in uh on christmas eve actually i did a puzzle some escape room-esque type of thing with a friend and we tried our best at the at this puzzle but we couldn't figure it out by any fucking uh, chance no way and then we looked at the um, at the solution and it was just right there and we just thought of ourselves how did we not get this and this is the exact same thing if you have the answer it is clear as day and mm. the way to get there is as clear as it can be yeah. but if you don't know all the pieces it might be unsolvable and this is the thing yeah you know, th- this took some time. <laughs> it's a hard lesson to learn.
0: Yeah. And I mean, all of these GM lessons are hard to learn. And there are thousands more that people can learn. And people and I still have to learn as well, right? There's, uh, there's a lot of things. Something that I've only recently got right is pacing. People that have listened to the last episode might have noticed that I've also talked about that, that I've got better about pacing after doing my first ever actual play myself. Mm-hmm. Because actual plays have helped me a lot with that because I understood what pace, thing actually means when i played with my players right no one had a problem with us just sitting around the table for an hour just joking around doing nothing in game no problem but in an actual play that's not what people want at -hmm. least not what i want and in an actual play the first it's the first time i actually thought about it differently how to actually make sure that at all times at any given moment in every single session or for that episode something happened Mm -hmm. that furthers the story and interests my players and an audience and from that i learned that that also applies to all my other sessions i sh- sure if i have an eight hour session of D on sundays it's okay if we don't have eight hours of intense gameplay mm-hmm. either combat or roleplay or whatever but at least one moment that is intense enough to drive the story forward is already good. Cutting dead time out. I don't need to talk through my players each and every day, waking up and getting breakfast in the tavern. That's Easily a few minutes I can omit and just say, Okay, yeah, you're basically all ready to go. You can now set out and and go on your Jay's journey. Mm-hmm. That's time. I'm taken away from the time that basically no one really cares for. Or that's 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 a nice detail to have, but everyone can basically make it up for themselves to mm-hmm. that that I can then allocate to these important moments where I then have more time to experience them, more time to have that cool combat i want to do that day yeah and i only learned that through actual plays and that's because one single crucial thing happened i had to change my gming approach i had to do it because my gming approach that that i had before would have maybe worked for an actual play but i thought i could do better for an actual play so i made my gming approach better for an actual play Mm -hmm. and i think that's what i want to talk about now how do we focus on on our GM approach and change it to get to
1: a new place to learn something? Mm. I think a crucial step in that is being able to think critically without. Mm-hmm. You being able to think critically, you can't really take a step back and look at how you have done things in the past or until now, mm. and then think about the things that you need to do to achieve the uh, the goal that you want. Mm. You have to look. Okay, how did I describe certain NPCs before? Yeah, but okay, I did it uh, this and that way. But what mm-hmm. do I need to change about that to make it more enticing, more fitting for the situation that I want in the mm-hmm. next one? Or yeah. From here on now. Yeah. You, you need to be able to do that. It is hard to admit sometimes to yourself that you've made a mistake or that your descriptions are subpar for yeah. the situation that you want to achieve. It, is, it took me some time to do that. Oh, for sure. I think really the first first step is
0: acknowledging that you want to get better at something or that you are lacking something. Hmm. And that can come through many different ways. For example, when I wanted to get better at NPCs, do you know what it took? for me to get better at NPCs. I don't know for certain, but... One of my players at the table making a snarky remark of, ha, this is one of Emil's NPCs again. They're completely useless, basically. They didn't Mm. say the last part, but they made a snarky remark about my NPCs. And the spite that I built up in that moment of, oh, okay, I'm going to show you how good I can be at making NPCs mm-hmm that thing i needed a motivator for that and i got one and since then i've gotten very good at making npcs for myself i'm not oh, yeah. perfect and there still are a few things at npcs that i do struggle with for example one of them is motivation for me i struggle always with that because i want very very believable complex motivations but okay I still have to learn. I still, I still have a way to go. I've never finished, but I had that motivator. And it was that moment where I realized my NPCs aren't good enough for the people that I want these NPCs to be good enough for, mm-hmm. right? My players made a comment that this NPC is not good enough for them. And that was the moment I realized, okay, I need to make better NPCs because these people want better NPCs. No. And that was the first step. Then I realized, okay, I need to make better NPCs. That was step one. Step two was, okay, how the fuck do I even
1: do that? Mm-hmm. W- one thing that helped me in these kind of situations is um, actually being on the other side of the GM screen for once. Mm-hmm. Be- being a player and experiencing the game from the other side of the table, you could say, yeah, really helped me in that regard. It put me in the mindset of, okay, I'm now a player. What information do I want my GM to give me? What things do I want my GM to give me to have an um, an inspiring or enticing moment at the table or an exciting experience at the table Mm. or just being able to solve a certain riddle or whatever the fuck, right? You know, then when you are in this position, what you want from the description of the NPC or the situation. And then just think about these situations you've been in. Okay, what would I want in this situation as a player? and then try to mm. incorporate that as a GM. That, yeah. that, that is something that really helped me out a lot mm-hmm. because it just gives you a completely new perspective on the same topic. And it, th- this is something that I really, really needed or I really need a lot is a, or basically everything, is a completely different view on the same topic. Mm-hmm. That's why I really enjoy talking to you at the uh, parties where this kind of situation like double DM came to be where we just talked about our experiences because it gave me another set of eyes that could look upon the same problem Mm -hmm. that i had before Mm -hmm. and then maybe find a different approach to this to the same thing Mm -hmm. to accomplish a more or a better experience for everyone Mm -hmm. at the table including myself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for sure i mean especially also as now there's this step
0: getting new eyes getting different opinions seeing how others do it has never been easier in this day and age mm. because hey the person that is listening to this right now what are you doing you're getting two new different opinions on topics from two different people and that say the same goes for if you listen to an actual play of a gm gming this and what information do they give about their npcs when you're looking up a youtube video how to make better npcs if you're looking at reddit twitter or any other blog post you have so much content So much opinions, so much different people's ways of doing this thing you want to get better at, to Mm -hmm. learn from, that it's so easy to learn from them. Or, well, it's easy to have access to that knowledge, that fountain of knowledge that the internet provides you with. Yeah. You need to still find how you want to do it. We can tell you, I, I can give you a list of what I do for every NPC or for every major NPC. but really that list might not be good for you. It's good for me because I can improvise the rest based on that information. I can work with that. I can present that information. And this is the the information my players want. Yours might be different. You might want different things. You might be able to improvise different things. It's really, you have to figure it out on your own. But you're never alone in that. You have the content available to you. And I really advise you, if you want to get better at GMing, it's a craft, it's a profession, right? We've talked with Alec on episode 99 about this. This is a whole profession. It's a craft. You can perfect it. And the only way you do that is with time and also Mm -hmm. maybe money. But you need to invest in yourself as a GM if you want to get better at GMing. And you need to be conscious about it. And this is really where it's at. Realize that you want to get better at something Get the content on how you get better at it. Absorb that content. Think critically about that content. And the fifth step is then try to implement it. And it's not, the, the fifth step is not implement it. It's try to implement it. Exactly. Because one big thing that we have omitted so far from this GM's journey discussion is trial and error. Oh my Lord, yes. You yes. need to try new things. You mm-hmm. need to and you will fail at new things, but that's okay. You need to fail in order to learn from your own mistakes as well. Implement certain different other people's way of doing NPCs. Realize they're not working for me, or this aspect is not working for me. Omit that aspect, take a different one, combine, try again. Boom! Mm. At some point, you're going to have the formula that works for you. Exactly. But you need to have trial and error you need to be able to fail as a dungeon master or as a game master to be a better game master
1: yeah and and one thing that especially through trial and error worked for me is experiencing new systems Mm -hmm. is uh, was a huge part of that because once i started as uh, with the with the not really a system yet thing i realized okay something is missing Mm -hmm. i can't put my finger on it but i know something is missing Okay, now then let's try a different system and buy the rule book for it. Mm-hmm. And then we started maybe not the best idea to start with that, but we started started with Shadowrun. A big thing, but now we had all the rules that we needed for every certain aspect of the game basically.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then we knew okay, having the rules is a good thing to have. But some of mm-hmm. the, these rules aren't for us. They Aren't the things that we want from this sort of game? Yeah. So let's try a different system, and then we uh, got got to the next, to the next, to the next, until we found out. Okay, for this type of game we want to play, mm-hmm. this rule set is for us. Yeah. It is. Um, we now settled on D because it's mostly the most accessible, and we it fits the stories that we want to tell mostly with being yeah. epic hero fantasies and yeah. power fantasies. Yeah. So we said, okay. This works for us but l- still let's try to keep our eyes open and our minds mm-hmm. open for other things mm-hmm. if we find something that we want to do as a in a TTRPG mm-hmm. doesn't really work with D&D yeah. so let's try a different system then yeah I and th- like- this was a big part of my journey trying mm-hmm. to trying different systems And seeing what works in these systems for me, Mm -hmm. for me personally. Mm -hmm. And then either trying to create a story that fits the system or rather finding a system that fits the story Mm -hmm. that we all want to craft the experience that we want Mm -hmm. to have as a table. One thing that I'm so happy for that
0: I did as a young teen that got into TTRPGs was play with every friend I had. Mm -hmm. Get every friend, annoy them until they crumble under my pressure of let's play TTRPGs together because i've played with so many different people already that have different play styles different expectations and now i have a big friend group of people that play and i have different people that want different things that play different systems that enjoy different things this is great because just as much with the systems playing with different people will get you to get out of your comfort zone a bit Mm -hmm. and experience new ways of playing these games and also advancing your way of experiencing this game. You're learning how to play this game, even though you've played for five, six years already and know the rules in and out of your of your favorite system. There comes a new player around that does something entirely different and shakes up your whole understanding of this game and hobby. Mm-hmm. Because there is no right or wrong way to play. Sure, the rules are set in stone. I'm going to say it. The rules are set in stone right now, just for this thought experiment. They are set in stone. Mm-hmm. Someone new comes along and uses those set in stone rules to a different extent than you do, and it, it completely changes the game for you. Yeah. And that's really where it's at. TTRPGs aren't just a system. They are a table you're playing the game with as well as a system. Mm-hmm. You, you all have so many different factors that can that influence how this game is played and in that moment, in that instance you're currently in. And you need to think about every single factor. And every single factor has an impact. Changing a different factor will change the experience. And you cannot just play every game with your friend group the same way. That's impossible. And if you say it is possible, I'm going to probably think that your table plays ttrpgs in a very strange way for me Mm. because i want different stories i want different experiences i know some people are better suited for certain ttrpgs than others just because they ch- they have a more improv-heavy roleplay style. Others have a more combat-focused min maxing style. Both are valid. Both are great to play with. Even mm. mixing and matching them is great. But changing something about this TDABG, going out of your comfort zone, that's where it's at. And you really need to be, let's say, careful about stepping out of your comfort zone you should make it in a safe and good environment and where you want to step out of your comfort zone but right if you haven't played a horror TTRPG before play a horror TTRPG obviously use safety tools and be careful and protect and and, and only go as far as you want but try out that new thing Hmm. it's probably very fun especially if you want it to be fun because TTRPGs if you want them to be fun they will always be fun exactly and if everyone wants them to be fun for everyone at the table they will be fun for everyone at the table because they are just a gathering of friends or people playing a game for fun and it's very hard to make that unfun
1: except you're an asshole and just want everyone to not have fun yeah but but everything we say is always under the premise that none of your players and including you is an asshole yeah because we always assume good faith. Yeah, yeah, we always assume good faith, right?
0: Okay, I have one last question. Okay, hit right? me. We talked a bit about uh, where we came from, what lessons we had to learn, how we learned them, what we learned from that, um, and especially, right, that people should always change up, get out of their comfort zone a bit, learn themselves, and always be open to learn, right? That's really important. You should always be open to learn new things, experience new things in TTRPGs, because that's the only way you get better at it. Never think that you were perfect GM. Never think that you're a perfect player. You are not. You can always be better. You can always learn more. Yeah. And with that said, what is something that you're looking forward to in the future to get better at?
1: Okay. Yeah, um, I would have to say um, making it more uh, or making information more accessible to my players in a organic way. Okay. Other than just uh, straight out blurting the information out and just putting a NPC cover before mm-hmm. uh, before that. Yeah. But rather not obscuring the information, but giving them out a, in a more organic way. Mm-hmm. That it feels natural that these NPCs would really tell these information to your party mm-hmm. rather than just mm-hmm. having a random NPC tell these informations to your party. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's I- something that. that I hope to get better at. No, let me rephrase that, that I will get better at because I want to change that.
0: Even better. We can have this episode as a time capsule. In two years, we are going to listen to this and either you got better at it or not. Mm-hmm. Both theoretically are fine. Things change, but we're going to look at that. Yeah. For me, I think it's actually going to be villains i I want to create villains more often more grand that better make the party question their morals oh yeah I want to create villains mm-hmm. that really are not just evil and and' not uh, just uh, just epic villains because I think I can do epic villains, but I want villains that really shake up the current structure that has been Mm. built basically by the table i want my villains to make the party question themselves question everything around them that's uh that's um i want a villain that sows mistrust i want a villain that makes that basically creates very complex um thought constructs that still make sense because i like Mm. complex constructs. I like complex stories, but I want the villain that really sits at the center of that and spins these complex stories to an extent that is still explainable and understandable by my players and then makes them go, hmm, maybe not necessarily this Maybe they are right. I don't necessarily need that, but I just want my, I just want this villain to not necessarily be instantly a bad guy that has to be killed by my players. I think mm-hmm. that's where I want to be. I want a villain to really be a deep person that is more than just a villain for uh, being evil and my players see him as evil. I, think I, want my, I want my players to not just see my villains as evil. That's yeah. where I want to get better at.
1: Rather than just having a boilerplate evil uh, sign. Yeah. Basically yeah. I mean if, a more intricate I yeah. mean
0: I mean the thing is I think my villains are
1: already a bit intricate.
0: But I think I always fail at getting that across to my players. Mm-hmm. I think at delivery that this villain isn't just bad because they're bad. That's where I kind of fail. I want my players to I want my players to see the complex structure. I want to see the intricacy of that villain. I want I don't want my players to just go, oh they're bad because they're not. That's where mm-hmm. I
1: want to get better at. Yeah. Un- understood. Yeah, I can
0: I can see that. And, and I think with that we have concluded our episode on the GM's journey. We talked about where we started, how we went through the years, where we want to be in a few years, or one specific thing we want to change in a few years. Obviously, we want to still be doing double DM and being better GMs and stuff like that. And I hope, listener, that you also got something out of this. That you maybe learned a lesson that you learned how to evaluate the lessons you want to learn or how to evaluate the sessions you have to learn the lessons you want to learn. And yeah, I think one last tip I have is if you have something you want to get better at, focus on it, right? Make specific sessions only for that thing. Hmm. If it's NPCs, make a, make a royal court where you have to create a lot of NPCs. Then you have to get better
1: at it. it, it it's stepping out of your comfort zone a bit, but okay. And I think, yeah, with that, we're done for today. And as per usual, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod, or visit our website at www.wdm.com. We also have a ko fi if you would like to check that out. And please, if you like the show, leave us a rating on your favorite podcasting listening platform of your choice. It really helps the show out. Just getting us out there, getting the word of us out there, tell your cat, tell your grandma, tell whoever you want. Just getting us out there into the world to know really helps us out. And with that, thank you for listening. See you on the next one and bye-bye. Bye-bye.